Section 8 of Edward the Black Prince by Louise Creighton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 7 Renewal of the War in France. In 1350, the English were again troubled by rumors of war. The seamen of the Spanish ports on the Bay of Biscay had always been animated by hostility to the English in whom they found formidable opponents to their commercial enterprises they were full of zeal for mercantile adventure and side by side with their commerce they committed many acts of piracy they now assembled a large fleet primarily with the object of trading with flanders but in their way to the flemish ports they behaved more like pirates than merchants and by claiming the dominion of the seas seemed to challenge the english to attack them at the flemish ports the spaniards loaded their ships with all kinds of rich merchandise and prepared to return home having no fear of the english for the fleet was strong and their admiral de la cerda by promising liberal pay had succeeded in enlisting a large number of volunteers at schlaus foissac tells us that the king of england hated these spaniards greatly and said publicly we have for a long time spared these people for which they have done us much harm without amending their conduct on the contrary they grow more arrogant for which reason they must be chastised as they pass our coasts his son and his lords were only too ready to engage upon a warlike expedition edward summoned all gentlemen who at that time might be in england to meet him at sandwich hither the queen too came to see them off the english fleet consisted of fifty sail but the ships were far inferior to those of the spaniards edward the third and the black prince each commanded a ship in person for three days they cruised between dover and calais waiting the coming of the spaniards on the third day when they hoped to engage the king sat in the forepart of his ship dressed in a black velvet jacket and wearing on his head a small hat of beaver which became him much he was in most joyous spirits and ordered his minstrels to play before him a german dance which sir john chandos had lately introduced for his amusement he made chandos sing with his minstrels which delighted him greatly from time to time he would ask his watch whether the spaniards were in sight at last whilst the king was thus amusing himself with his knights the watch cried out i spy a ship and it appears to me to be a spaniard at once the minstrels were silenced and the king asked whether there was more than one ship soon the answer was shouted out yes i see two three four and so many that god help me i cannot count them then the king and his knights knew that it was the spanish fleet the trumpets sounded and the ships were ordered to form in line of battle it was already late but the king was determined to engage he called for wine which he and his knights drank and then stood ready to fight the spaniards might easily have avoided the battle but hoping to crush their enemies they sailed down upon them then edward said to the captain of his ship lay me alongside the spaniard who was bearing down on us for i will have a tilt with him the shock of the meeting of the two ships was like the crash of a tempest the king's ship stood firm but the spaniard was much disabled and lost her masts so that the english knights cried to the king let her go away you shall have better than that 
then another large ship bore down and grappled with chains and irons to that of the king and the fight began in earnest many gallant deeds were done but the spanish ship proved hard to conquer the king's ship was leaking and in danger of sinking only just in time was the spanish ship boarded the english threw all the men they found on it overboard and leaving their own ship continued to fight on board the spaniard meanwhile the prince of wales was in great difficulty his ship was grappled by an immense spaniard and was so full of holes that it was in great danger of sinking the crew was employed in bailing out water and could not make head against the spaniards but the duke of lancaster the prince's cousin formerly earl of derby seeing the danger drew near and fell on the other side of the enemy grappling his ship to the spaniard with shouts of derby to the rescue the ship was soon taken and the crew was thrown overboard the prince and his men deserting their own ship embarked on board the spaniard it was a hard battle for the english as the spanish ships were very big and strong and the spaniards fought with extreme bravery and knew no fear at last victory declared itself for the english the spaniards lost fourteen ships and the others saved themselves by flight when it was over edward sounded his trumpets for retreat and the fleet sailed back to the english coast anchoring off rye and winchelsea the king and the prince landed and the same night rode to the house where the queen was just two leagues distant she was most joyful at seeing them return safely for she had been in great anxiety all day her servants had watched the battle from the hills on the coast whence they could see it well as the weather was fine and clear and they had seen the great strength of their enemy and their fine big ships so great were the rejoicings that instead of resting after the battle the king and his knights spent the night in revelry with the ladies talking of arms and love the next morning the king thanked his knights for their services and dismissed them this battle was the beginning of the rivalry between the english and the spaniards for the dominion of the seas the hardy spanish seamen were not in the least depressed by their defeat both sides however soon saw that the quarrel was to the interests of neither and a truce for twenty years was concluded in london between the king of england and the maritime cities of castile it must be remembered that the quarrel was not at all between the king of castile and the king of england but only between these maritime cities and the english naval power attempts had been again made at a conference at guine between the envoys of france and england to change the armistice between the two countries into a permanent peace edward the third offered to give up his claims to the french crown if the french king would give up his claim of homage for the english provinces in france when the french king refused to do this edward determined to begin the war again philip of valois king of france had died in thirteen fifty and was succeeded by his son john john found the treasury of france already impoverished by the expenses of the war and did not make matters better by his unwise and prodigal liberality his easy-going temper earned for him the name of the good though he brought his kingdom to the very verge of ruin he wanted money for his favourites and his pleasures and when he attacked the people till they could give no more he tried to get money by debasing the coinage that is 
he caused money containing a large quantity of alloy to be made and obliged the people to take this bad money in exchange for their good money this and his heavy taxes brought great misery and poverty upon the people who were still suffering from the effects of the black death the country also suffered greatly from the free companies which roamed about in all directions committing robberies and every kind of crime these free companies were the plague of the middle ages they were bands of mercenary soldiers ready to fight for any one who would pay them and when in intervals of peace they were dismissed from service they spent their time in plunder in defiance of all laws and government foissart tells us that in the year thirteen fifty one there was the greatest scarcity of provisions ever known in the memory of man all over the kingdom of france but in spite of the sufferings of the people king john was eager for war and anxious to wash out the stain left on the french arms by the battle of crecy edward was equally ready even during the years when negotiations for peace had been going on the truce had not really been observed and both french and english had made many aggressions upon the enemy's country when in thirteen fifty four the congress at guine broke up having accomplished nothing edward began to hasten his preparations for a new invasion of france he had gained a new and important ally against john in the person of charles king of navarre this man was the evil genius of france during the years that followed his crimes and unscrupulous ambition gained for him the surname of the bad he was a vassal of the king of france as he had inherited the earldom of evreux in normandy to secure his friendship king john had given him his daughter in marriage but charles soon incurred the hatred of john by murdering the king's favourite and chief counsellor he had to fly from court and in his absence john invaded normandy and took some of his fortresses charles determined to revenge this injury by aiding edward the third against the king of france he promised to give the english king possession of several strong fortresses in normandy so that he might land his troops there and be able to advance to paris in safety at the same time edward received a visit from some of the gascon nobles who came to ask him to send his son to lead them against the french a great invasion of france by three separate armies was therefore planned one under the black prince was to land at bordeaux a second under the duke of lancaster was to go and aid the countess de montfort in brittany and a third under edward himself was to invade normandy edward the third took a proud army with him to france but he did not do much his ally charles of navarre made peace with john so that edward was obliged to change his plans and land at calais instead of cherbourg john was wise enough to give edward no chance of a battle whilst he urged upon the scots to invade england in the absence of its king news was brought to edward in france that the scots had crossed the border and retaken berwick he was obliged to return to resist them and punished their inroad by invading scotland and spreading such destruction wherever he went that the scots long spoke of the time of this invasion as burnt candlemas End of section 8